What's happening, everybody? On today's show, still SEC quarterback battles ongoing. Will we know what is happening at Auburn and Texas A&M before this week is up? We'll get you the latest on the battles there. And what does Shane Beamer in South Carolina need to do to knock off Georgia in the SEC East this year? We're going to break it all down as we preview the Gamecocks with Andrew Lyon of Locked On Gamecocks. Locked On SEC starts right now. You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. We'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates to that you want to talk to faster. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash College. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. Remember, Locked On SEC is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at LockedOnSEC.com. Let's jump into this thing. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the Around the conference. And we start over at Texas A&M as Jimbo Fisher still not naming a starting quarterback at Texas A&M. It sounds like there's no timeline really set on this either. Jimbo talking with the media this week said, we have a good idea of what's going on and how it's going. We've watched practice every day and we'll announce it when we're ready. Max Johnson, Haynes King, Connor Wegman all in the hunt for the starting job. Jimbo said the big thing he is looking for is consistency and whoever gives us the best chance to win. Fisher did add he likes all three of the guys, said he thinks all three are growing in their own way. A lot of people expecting it's going to be Haynes King. He's the guy who beat out Zach Calzada last year in a close quarterback battle, earned a starting job before he got hurt and ended his season. Max Johnson, of course, came in as a starter for LSU last year, played very well. A lot of people think it's going to end up being King, but A&M not really in a rush to name a starter. So, of course, we'll continue to track that one. The other one we'll continue to track over at Auburn. Brian Harson still is not named a starter. All signs point to TJ Finley being the guy. We've heard him very complimentary of Finley in recent days. Auburn radio voice Andy Burcham. He was on with Greg McElroy and Cole Kublick on their radio show in Jocks FM this week. And Burcham said another quarterback is going to add some wrinkles to this offense. He said, look, we're all waiting to hear that in all likelihood it's going to be T.J. Finley who gets the start against Mercer. But I think, I don't know if we'll learn this from Brian Harson this week or we'll find it out in game one against Mercer, just how much Robbie Ashford is going to figure into this offense. Even if he's not the starter, he's the best dual threat that Auburn has in that quarterback room. And I think he's gone the furthest since he came on campus in January. I'm anxious to see what kind of packages we see for Robbie Ashford. Urchin went on to say on TJ Finley, he said, I think, one, he's had a chance to establish some leadership in that quarterback room and with the offense. You know how important it is with a team. And now he's been with this program for a year to establish himself in the quarterback room. I think he's more accurate. And I think he's more of that starting quarterback than he was before. So Andy Burcham giving a uh, an endorsement of T.J. Finley there at the starter. But again, biggest thing he's mentioned there is just because Robbie Ashford's not starting, we're going to see some J- Robbie Ashford. They're going to have some packages for him uh, with his running ability. So 
Excited to see what uh, they're going to roll out there at Auburn in a couple of weeks. Meanwhile, over at South Carolina, we'll be talking a little bit about Shane Beamer and what he's got going with this program this season. But his offense coordinator, Marcus Satterfield, uh, was asked about comments made by DeCurian Joyner saying that South Carolina's offense has been much more efficient through fall camp this year. And Satterfield said, look, we just put on our offense a year ago. It takes a while to take shape, especially with different bodies playing quarterback. Now we have consistency there and the verbiage. These kids have not had the same offensive coaches in consecutive years. So to have the same coaches for two straight years is only going to help them feel more in balance with what we are doing on offense. In terms of the improvement from scrimmage to scrimmage, Satterfield said the consistency and tempo uh, improved over scrimmages. He said our starters have done a nice job of taking care of the football and not having any penalties. I hope I didn't jinx myself, but just the cleanliness of when it came time to take a shot, we're not doing anything detrimental to getting the ball off or making a play. Meanwhile, back at Auburn, uh, John Samuel Shanker, tight end, talking with the media this week about his decision to come back for one more season. And he said it didn't even take the offseason for him to make that decision. He said he told Brian Harson during last season's bowl game against Houston during the game that he wanted to come back and play another year. He said, I'm coming back, and it's not for me, coach. It's for Auburn. Sounds like something out of a movie. Shanker's loyalty to Harson was rewarded as he was named one of the three team captains this week, along with linebacker Owen Papo and D lineman Derek Hall. Shanker said he wanted to help Harson and the program move forward after their dismal 6-7 and seven season a year ago. Over at Georgia, they are preparing for a big opening game against Oregon. They're going to have a big-time name walking them out in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. It's former Georgia star tailback Willie McClendon is going to serve as the honorary captain for the Bulldogs. Meanwhile, ex-Oregon quarterback Marcus Mariota will represent the Ducks. McClendon and Mariota will join the current team captains of both teams at midfield during the pregame coin toss as officials for the annual early season uh, kickoff. McClendon, of course, played under legendary Bulldogs coach Vince Dooley back in the late 70s, was SEC Player of the Year in 1978. He was selected in the third round of the NFL Draft in 1979 by the Chicago Bears, went on to play several years in the NFL. So... Shout out Willie McClendon going to represent the Bulldogs in Atlanta for their season kickoff. Meanwhile, the uh, Senior Bowl is going to be happening, of course, at the conclusion of the season. They're making preparations for uh, eyeing the next talent for next year's NFL draft. This will be the 10th annual Reese's Senior Bowl watch list that has come out. Scouts try to identify the best of the best draft prospects at every level of college football for next year's draft. Uh, 484 position players made the list. Uh, Senior Bowl said they were evaluated by their staff. Tape-based grades were logged on hundreds of other senior prospects. Every player on the list is eligible to participate in an all-star game as either a 2018 high school graduate or a true four-year player with five or more games played in the previous uh, seasons. Just some of the names making the list. Of course, there's a ton of guys from the SEC, but just some of the names that stuck out. Brenton Cox from Florida, Ali Gay at LSU, Derek Hall at Auburn, DJ Dale at Alabama. The list goes on and on and on, but those are just some of the names that we can expect to probably get invites to the Senior Bowl and probably uh, partake in it next uh, spring. 
over at Mississippi State. Mike Leach and company getting ready to take on Memphis in their season opener. And over at Memphis, they are preparing for the shrewdness of Starkville. A uh, loud noise greeted the Memphis football team at their practice on Wednesday. Cowbells playing through their speakers on the sidelines as they ran 11-on-11 drills. Cowbells ringing in their faces and their ears. Memphis defensive coordinator Matt Barnes says it is terribly annoying. Of course, it's Davis Wade Stadium in Starkville. Those cowbells will mix in with cheers and jeers to create an unwelcome setting for Memphis. Uh, if you remember last year, they were banned for last year's Memphis-Mississippi State game, which was played at the Liberty Bowl. Uh, they say it don't allow artificial noisemakers in there. So Mississippi State gets a little chance of payback here playing Memphis with their cowbells. Uh, offensive coordinator Tim Cramsey said, part of what we got to do next Saturday is be able to handle all the elements, the noise, real-life game situations. So we tend to put the players in the worst po possible situation we can at practice. It's going to try to simulate that noise and how the crowd is going to be down there. And there you have it. That is the latest news going on around the conference thank you guys again for making us your first listen every day coming up next we're going to talk with andrew lyon of locked on gamecocks in just a second but first i want to tell you guys about our friends over at linkedin of course they've got some great things going on there for you as you guys gear up for the fall you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders linkedin jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. You can create a job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs. Reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. You can add your job in the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile. It'll spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people. they got simple tools like screening questions. Make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview and hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. Go post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college. Go post your job for free and start hiring for the fall. going to be a busy time of year. You want to make sure you are loading up and getting the right people. Terms and conditions apply. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college roll along here locked on sec it would be going around the conference preparing for all our uh, season previews talking with people covering all the different teams across the uh, sec and on our locked on podcast network and now we head out to columbia south carolina as we're getting ready to discuss the south carolina gamecocks and join us now is andrew lyon host of locked on gamecocks jumping in with us andrew welcome in man how are you i'm doing good chris uh you know i'm just uh, very excited for football season we're only uh going to be nine days away from south carolina kicking it off williams bryce against georgia state uh, a lot of excitement heading into this football season yeah, let's jump into it because we were just talking about some of the details going on around the conference and uh, Marcus Satterfield, offensive coordinator, saying, look, one of the big benefits with this team is, yeah, we've got some new quarterbacks, we've got some new pieces, guys coming in the transfer portal, but it, it's finally the same offense. It's finally the same coordinators hanging around after a year prior. So you got to think that that consistency has kind of helped and that's why the Gamecocks have looked a lot better this uh, spring into fall. 
Oh, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, something, uh, Chris, it kind of gets lost in the shuffle with every new staff. You know, even if you have a somewhat talented roster like the Gamecocks do in the SEC, normally around middle of the pack compared to everyone else, you know, when you bring in a whole new coaching staff, you have whole new schemes you're implementing, it's going to be a learning curve for everyone, especially when it's a pro-style offense like Marcus Satterfield wanted to bring from his experience with the Carolina Panthers. And last season, you know, there was just a lot of things that did not go the Gamecocks' way. They had obvious instability at quarterback, starting a unretired graduate assistant, an FCS transfer from St. Francis up in Pennsylvania, and, of course, Luke Doty playing with a broken bone in his right foot. And then you add in, you know, all the new blocking schemes for the offensive line, and maybe there was a bit of a learning curve there. And, of course, there wasn't maybe a whole lot of playmakers on the outside for South Carolina. So adding all those factors together, you know, having continuity in this scheme and now the guys, you know, having a year under their belt, I think it's only going to really help everyone out that is on this team heading into this upcoming season. I talked to him uh, earlier this offseason at the Manning Passing Academy, but what is what has been the word on Spencer Radler? Because, you know, we saw him in the spring game. They didn't do a whole heck of a lot. He looked kind of okay. Granted, this is a guy a year ago at this time was a Heisman favorite at Oklahoma. And when I talked to him, he said, man, throw the spring out the window. Like, he said, we had so many guys either banged up, out for different reasons, on top of guys coming in the transfer portal who weren't here yet. What's been the buzz around Spencer, at least since they started fall camp, and what can we expect from Rattler this year? Well, the word around Spencer Rattler in fall camp has been uh, pretty much wow, because Spencer Rattler, um, out of all the quarterbacks that South Carolina's had in recent memory, he has by far the most arm talent out of any quarterback in recent memory for South Carolina, and so you know that he has got an arm. You know that he is a guy that can make throws off platform. You know that he's someone that's got a quick release. And he's also pretty accurate with the football. He has a career completion percentage of 70.1%. So Rattler has got all the tools that you want in a quarterback in modern-day college football. And he's really immersed himself in the locker room. He has really made it a point of going into this team or go, coming to this team and, you know, not trying to act like someone who's been here three, four, or five years. He really worked to earn his stripes, to earn his trust with his new teammates. And so South Carolina, they're extremely excited about having him at quarterback. They understand that, of course, some things happened this past season in Oklahoma. I don't know if maybe it was all on Spencer's shoulders, you know, for what everything that went down. But uh, bottom line, South Carolina is extremely pumped to have this guy, and they think he could be a reason that South Carolina wins more football games in 2022. Yeah, I think that's been the 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 thing that people can't really figure out. People I talk to say, oh, well, is he going to look like, you know, Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma and all that? And I say, look, understand one thing with, with South Carolina fans. Last season, Luke Doty was very inconsistent. They started Zeb Nolan a handful of games. And look, Zeb Nolan shouldn't have been started. He was a grad assistant. Uh, Dick Harry and Joyner had to yeah. start at the at quarterback in the bowl game. Like, it was such a rough go like, if anything, Radler will at least provide stability at that position. So he doesn't have to be a world beater. Man, if he could even just be a step above game manager, it's going to be good, mean good things for South Carolina this year, right? Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, Coach Beamer, he's mentioned this in a press conference uh, in the last few weeks. You know, we're not 
asking Spencer Rattler to be Superman. We're not going to have him come here and expect him to, you know, be a Heisman Trophy contender. We just want Spencer Rattler to come in here and, like you said, provide stability to the quarterback position and really open up this playbook for Marcus Satterfield, South Carolina's offensive coordinator, really open up this passing game. And the thing is, Spencer Rattler's got a decent amount of weapons around him. You know, some people might look at the fact he's going from Oklahoma's offense to South Carolina's to South Carolina's offense, and they might say, you know, well, he's not going to have the guys that he had at Oklahoma, but we've got some decent ball players. I mean, you got Josh Van at wide receiver. You bring in Antoine Wells Jr. from James Madison, Corey Rucker out of Arkansas State. You have to carry on Joyner and other vets who return. And then at running back, you got a former five-star Marshawn Lloyd who is looking to uh, really burst onto the scene this year. You bring in Christian Bill Smith, a transfer out of Wake Forest, and, of course, that's not even talking about the tight ends yet with Jaheim Bell and Austin Stockner. So this offense has plenty of weapons that they've surrounded Spencer Rattler with. And so, again, we're not going to ask him to be a world beater for this team. But if we could just get above average quarterback play to even, you know, just solid quarterback play overall, then, yeah, I think that there is um, this offense can definitely elevate and uh, really wipe clean all the memories from the 2021 season. One of my favorite players in the SEC the last couple of years was Kevin Harris, and I know last year he just wasn't really himself. The year prior, he was fantastic leading the league, uh, the SEC in rushing, uh, right there with Najee Harris, and then last year, he kind of looked more like himself towards the end of the year when he was kind of getting healthy, but he still did, still wasn't all the way there. That said, I'm excited about the running back spot. You kind of touched on it a little bit, but Marshawn Lloyd, high expectations for him, a highly touted guy coming out, you know, recruiting. Christian Beal Smith, the transfer coming in, I know he's been banged up a little. There's some question marks if he'll be ready for week one. But Juju McDowell, I was reading tons of articles about, hey, he's kind of the guy. Don't forget about him. He's also super talented. So, uh, I mean, what can we expect? I mean, again, quarterback and Rattler gets all the attention, but, man, feels like we should be talking more about the South Carolina running backs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny. I did read uh, Phil Steele's College Football Preview magazine, which is essentially the Bible for college football fans all across the country. And he ranked South Carolina's running back, you know, I believe 12th or 13th in the SEC, which shocks me because, yeah, the top end talent might not be the same as it was this past year overall, but the depth honestly is better. I mean, you know, you have Marshawn Lloyd back there who is extremely shifty and agile with his feet. I mean, he can make a jump cut on a moment's notice. You have Christian Bill Smith who could be a little bit more of that bell cow, a guy that gets some of those bull yards that you need in third and short situations. You have Juju McDowell. He might not ever be a three down back, but he's a guy who can go out to the edge and he has legitimate four, three speed. He's a guy that can score touchdown on any given play if he has space. And that's not even including guys like Rashad Amos. You have Dante Miller, who's nicknamed Lil Turbo from Columbia University. He has legitimate 4-2-5 speed. So this South Carolina running back room, there might not be one complete back, but you combine the skill sets from multiple backs, and we feel like that this running back room is going to be just fine, despite the fact that they lost Kevin Harris and Zaquandre White to the NFL in this past year's draft. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Jaheim Bell because there's been some talk, some comparisons being made, fairly or unfairly, saying Debo Samuel, using that name when it comes to Jaheim Bell. And obviously we saw how great he was at South Carolina and what he's done at the NFL level. But is right. Jaheim Bell really the type of guy that, man, just get him the ball. It doesn't matter where you line him up, but there's talk of moving him around, putting him in the slot, lining him up at tight end, have him come around in the backfield. I mean, is that kind of what we're going to see from Jaheim Bell this year? 
Absolutely. There have been reports coming out of practice for South Carolina in fall camp. Jaheim Bell has indeed been taking snaps at the running back position. So definitely look for some special sets and formations where Jaheim Bell could line up out as far wide as the numbers. He could line up in the backfield. Jaheim Bell is a fantastic athlete. If it wasn't for Brock Bowers getting all of the deserved love and attention at Georgia, then Jaheim Bell, in my opinion, would be a lot more in the conversation for being one of the best tight ends in all of college football. And Jaheim Bell is just, he's going to open up so much for this offense because I'm going to be honest with you, Chris, I don't think there's a single defender in this conference that can consistently beat uh, Jaheim Bell one-on-one in the opens field. I just think that Jaheim Bell is that good of a ball player. I think he has first round potential this coming April. So having a guy like him and then you pair him up with, of course, Austin Stockner, who has a different skill set but can beat defenders in different ways with his big frame, with his large catch radius. Uh, this tight end room, this this might be the best one-two tandem that the South Carolina Gamecocks have had at tight end in school history, quite frankly. We're going to get to the defense and a few more uh, aspects of the schedule in uh, just a second here with Andrew Lyon. Thank you guys again for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. I want to remind you the ultimate college football preview is here. A seven-episode preview with college experts, local team experts, and Odyssey College Football Insiders. It's everything you need to be ready for the college football season in one spot. Search for the ultimate college football preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're continuing our conversation with Andrew uh, Andrew Lyon of Locked On Gamecocks, and I want to touch on the defense, Andrew, because, look, there were times last year I thought the defense hurt the team you know there there were times where they weren't able to get off the field or get big stops when they needed them I look at this roster and it's a lot of guys back from last year and I see a lot of seniors there's a lot of senior experience a lot of guys who've played a lot of football in this roster and I think it starts up front when you consider Jordan Birch and a lot of those guys up there but talk a little bit about the defensive front and what we can expect this year well, obviously, you know, South Carolina, to be fair, they do lose some real solid players from last year's defensive line. They do lose a guy like Kingsley Enigbari, who was drafted in the fifth round to the Green Bay Packers. He was a real big-time leader and player for this Gamecock defense. They lose Jabari Ellis, who was a very underrated run stopper up the middle. And then you also lose a guy like Aaron Sterling, who was a great college player. But the guys that are filling in those spots, in my opinion, maybe besides uh, Kingsley and Abari are just as good, if not better. You bring in Alex Boogie Huntley, who was a high school teammate of Jordan Birch's back at the Hammond School in Columbia, South Carolina. He is a guy that Zach Pickens has kind of taken a little bit under his wing, and there's a lot of excitement around what he can do with being paired up with Zach Pickens on the interior. Jordan Birch is a guy, of course, that everyone has been waiting to sort of burst out into the scene. Of course, he sort of has had to wait his turn, but the message has been sent to him this past offseason that, hey, big man, it's your time. It's time for you to go out there and show everyone why you had so much hype coming out of high school. And I think that Jordan Birch is going to have a chance to have a breakout season. He's completely reshaped his body. He looks like he's packed on a lot more muscle and I think that he is primed to have a great season and be a reason why this defensive front could be better. And then Jordan Stratton at the other defensive end spot, people forget this guy led the country or was tied for the lead in sacks in 2020 with 10 and a half sacks at Georgia State. So Jordan Stratton's a real solid pass rusher. And I think overall, this defensive line could be bringing more athleticism to the field compared to last year's defensive front. Obviously, the rush defense has got to get better. And I think that they've really made that a big point of emphasis in camp. But, of course, we'll have to see what happens once we get a little ways into the season. 
What about the secondary? We've known South Carolina, man, for it seems like the last decade. They've had NFL caliber corners back there. Even like when you're watching the guy, it doesn't hit you. And then all of a sudden you see, you know, preseason All-American, preseason watch list. And all of a sudden the guy's going first, second round in the draft. And you're like, well, I guess he was pretty good. Um, right. Talk a little bit about some of the secondary. I know they bring over a grad transfer in Devonnie Reed from Central Michigan at the safety spot. But it uh, looks like Cam Smith, Darius Rush, uh, Marcellus Dial, a lot of experience back there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And obviously, it, it all starts with Cam Smith. Uh, this Gamecock coaching staff is really excited about what Cam Smith could bring to this defense this year. He had been playing outside corner um, just solely throughout his entire career up to this point. And then in the spring, they decided to put him in at the nickelback position just to see what he could do. And they found that, you know, with a guy of Cam Smith's caliber, that he could pretty much do whatever you need to do at that corner spot. So Cam Smith might actually be starting this year at the nickel spot. He's got that much talent. Again, like Jaheim Bell, could be a potential first-round draft pick in April. And then, of course, you have Darius Rush. He's a guy that doesn't get enough credit, in my opinion. Darius Rush was kind of thrown out there last year out of necessity, and he really came on in the latter half of the 2021 season, really showed a lot of development and a lot of growth that I think can carry over into 2022. Marcellus Dial, he's got the frame. He has the athleticism. But before he came to South Carolina, he was at Georgia Military College, a real big jump in the competition. And I think that that may have you know, gotten him a little bit last year. I think he'll be more than ready this year. And then at safety, you have around, I believe, almost 80 starts collectively between R.J. Roderick and Devonnie Reed. So the Gamecocks feel just fine at that safety spot because of the experience those guys bring. There is a little bit of concern in terms of depth. If a couple injuries were to pile up, you know, could the guys behind them step up and fill in those voids? But the starting lineup for South Carolina Secondary, in my opinion, is another group, kind of like you mentioned with the running backs earlier, they're not getting enough attention in the SEC, and they could re- they could be a big reason why this defense could be even better in 2022. Talking with Andrew Lyon, host of Locked on Gamecocks. Andrew, let's get into the schedule a little bit. It's a brutal schedule. Um, that's so, Thus is life in the SEC. But uh, let's talk about how it sets up. You get Georgia State in week one, and, and as we know, Georgia State's a program you, you can't take lightly. You should certainly go out there, play your best. But it is almost a dress rehearsal for the road trip to Arkansas in week two and then brutal home game against Georgia you get in week three, and it's already been announced as an 11 a.m. Central kickoff, 12 Eastern. That's one you wish you could have had at night in williams Price, but it is what it is. Uh, talk about the, the start of the schedule and how this kind of sets up. Well, Chris, I, I have to be honest with you. I think that South Carolina has the toughest uh, three-game stretch to start the season out of any team in the SEC. I mean, Georgia State, this is a team that beat Tennessee in Neyland Stadium to start the year a few seasons back. This is the team that potentially should have beaten Auburn this past year if a few calls didn't go a certain way. And their head coach used to be an assistant here at South Carolina in Sean Elliott. So this is going to be a game that has a lot of storylines for South Carolina, a lot of emotions pouring out. So that could be a really tricky game because, of course, you have Arkansas in Week 2. Arkansas, as everyone knows, they love to be physical. They love to pound the rock on offense. And obviously, that was South Carolina's big weakness on defense last year. So we'll find out real fast just how much better they may have gotten in that aspect. And then, of course, Georgia, the reign-defending national champions in Week 3, and they have a couple of games where they're going to probably basically name their score before and after their game against South Carolina. So, really, they own the schedule dynamic advantage despite the fact the Gamecocks have them at home. So, obviously, 
Really tough stretch to start the year. It would not surprise me if South Carolina starts out one and two, but I would ask for Gamecock fans to be patient because, of course, there's a lot of the season left to be played afterwards. But certainly, uh, it seems like we made somebody upset who's responsible for the schedule because <laughs> it's it's just a brutal stretch to start off this year for the Gamecocks. Yeah, I look at it almost as, man, if you can go pull off an upset on the road at Arkansas Week 2, put everything you have into that one, Next week, you lose a home game to Georgia. Oh, oh well, it's a team that's probably going to win the East. But then you bounce back. You get Charlotte. You get South Carolina State. Opportunities for wins there. A road game at Kentucky. Not, you know, it's going to be tough, but a winnable game. You come home for Texas A&M. Again, a tough one. We still don't know who A&M's quarterback is going to be. Then you get an easier stretch with Mizzou at home and at Vandy. And then I can't think of a tougher final three-game stretch of a schedule to finish at Florida, home for Tennessee, and at Clemson. I mean, if you, even if you get into that back stretch and you got wins and you're feeling pretty good about yourself, man, it's going to be hard to win any of those three final games. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, reality will hit you hard in the SEC. And, again, you know, whoever decided to come up with South Carolina's schedule, they really bookended us with some real tough three-game stretches. I think that Florida game's a lot more winnable than people have stated. You know, I think that Florida is going to have – I guess a down year compared to their expectations. It's a first-year coaching staff with Billy Napier. I know that they still got some talent, but I do question just how deep they are as a team overall. And they're going to be coming off a tough two-game stretch against Georgia and Jacksonville and at Texas A&M the two weeks prior to their game against South Carolina. So I think South Carolina, honestly, has a pretty good chance to win that game uh, purely because of the schedule dynamic there. Tennessee, of course, that high-flying offense, they got South Carolina real bad last year. There's no question about that, no getting around it. South Carolina's going to have to find a way to really come out the gates strong against Tennessee in that game, or else it could get ugly in a hurry. And then, of course, Clemson. There's a lot of questions about Clemson's offense, but you can't say the same for their defense. This might be one of the best defensive line units in college football, if not the best in college football. And that's not even talking about linebackers Trenton Simpson and some of the guys they have on the back end who are young but yet very talented as well. So, yeah, some real tough games here for South Carolina. I do think that some of these are winnable, but, of course, again, just with – where they're slotted on the schedule, it's just going to be really hard when South Carolina gets into those stretches. They're going to have to really hope that they avoid injuries and uh, try to stay as healthy as they can because, again, the end of the year could be pivotal for the Gamecocks this season. Yeah, that's what's crazy is this team could be, on paper, appears can be even more talented than last year's team, but may be the same, if not worse, record than last year just because the schedule is so much more brutal. So we'll see. Maybe a return trip to the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. Maybe South Carolina fans will be fine with that. But uh, certainly they'd love to get one, maybe two more wins than they were a year ago and be taking that step forward kind of like Arkansas has been doing and some of the other schools around the SEC. He is Andrew Lyon, host of Locked On Gamecocks. Let our listeners know what you got up there on the podcast leading up to game week. Well, for today's show, Chris, I'm going to be talking about some of the trends that South Carolina needs to break from 2021 in order to do better from a win-loss standpoint in 2022. And then tomorrow, I'll be coming out with my big season prediction for what I think the Gamecocks are going to do this season. You're not going to want to miss it, so be sure to come on over to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast if you want to feel free and give a listen on what I think the Gamecocks will do in 2022. We appreciate you making us your first listen every day. Go make Andrew your second listen and check him out over with Locked on Gamecocks. Andrew, thanks so much for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. All right, that's Andrew Lyon, host of Locked on Gamecocks. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. I'm Chris Gordy. Again, thank you for making us your first listen every day. We got you covered with just about every SEC school that you want to talk about. Locked on Gators, Locked on Bulldogs, Locked on Auburn, whatever school you're looking for. 
We got it for you, so you go check it out wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Chris Gordy. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. We'll be getting you set for the SEC opener of the season, Vandy at Hawaii. Vandy plays this week. Look, can't we all just jump on the Vandy bandwagon this week? This might be their one chance for a win, all right? Go beat Hawaii. Go send Timmy Chang regretting his decision to come coach at Hawaii. <laughs> we'll certainly uh, get into previewing that one a little bit. As we get football this Saturday. My goodness, we've waited. It's finally here. It's week zero. I get it. There's some crappy matchups, but we're going to be excited about it. And again, we got an SEC team playing, so got a little skin in the game. I'm Chris Gordy. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow for that show, and then, of course, all next week getting you set for week one of SEC play. Remember to subscribe and check us out wherever you get your podcasts. We're on uh, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and, of course, the video version up at YouTube. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody.